Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Man, I'm just still stuck in worship right now. Jeez. Oh. What a great job our worship team is doing. Great job. Give them a hand. They're doing phenomenal. They put in so much work behind the scenes, practicing, giving up their time, sacrificing their time. These are not paid artists. These people do this for us. They do it for God, first and foremost. They... They're doing phenomenal. I'm very thankful for them. Hey, turn me down a little bit, Sancho. I want to scream a little bit today. I don't want to blow the speakers. <laughs> Glory be to God. So we're still in our series entitled Preparing for Harvest. And about three weeks ago, I preached a message called Seeds of Revival. And today I want to bring the second part of that message. So it'd be Seeds of Revival Part 2. This morning, I want to talk to you about the God of revival. And that revival is not a, a time or a place, but revival is a person. And when that person shows up, dead things begin to rise. When that person shows up, when revival shows up, dead situations come back to life. When revival shows up, God is the God of revival. It doesn't matter how dead a person may seem or how bad a situation may be, he can revive anything and anyone. He is the God of revival. In Ezekiel 37, God places Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, in a valley of dry bones. Ezekiel's in this valley, and these bones, they're dry. There's no skin on them. There's no life there. There's nothing. This is a hopeless, this is a lifeless situation. And as Ezekiel's standing there, God says, son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, is there any hope for this situation? Do you see any life here? Do you see any sign that something can take place here? Ezekiel says, God, you alone know. God, you alone know if this situation can change. In myself, in the natural, no, it's hopeless. And God places us in situations the same way. We find ourselves in a situation where it's just dry. Relationships are dry, heart dry, heart cold. Everything just seems like it's just dead and dried up around us. And God asks us the same thing. Can these bones live? Can your situation be revived? Can your relationship be revived? Can these bones live? God, you alone know. Maybe this morning, maybe it's your faith that needs to be revived. Maybe your faith in man, your faith in your church, your faith in your pastor. That was a test. <laughs> Anybody would have said amen would not be here next week. That was a test. <laughs> but maybe it's your faith that needs to be revived. Maybe your faith has grown cold. Maybe your faith in the Lord. Maybe your faith in his word. Maybe your faith in his promises. Maybe your faith is dead and dried up, just like those bones were. Maybe it's your hope that needs to be revived. Your hope of ever being happy and free. Your hope of a future. 
your hope of ever being healed, your hope of ever being restored, your hope of seeing your friends and your family set free from addiction and bondages. Maybe your hope is dried up. Maybe you're walking in a hopeless situation and you have no hope. Maybe it's your love that needs to be revived. Your love for your spouse. Your love for your marriage. Your love for your children. Your love for the lost. Your love for the broken. Your love for God. Maybe it's dried up. It didn't start that way. You got to realize those bones in that valley, they didn't start out as bones. At one time, they had skin on them. They had life in them. And little by little, they started deteriorating. It started decaying. And before you know it, you're in a valley of just dryness. And that's how our hope, our faith, and our love gets. It doesn't start that way. We start on fire for God. Right? We start with our marriage where we just love our marriage. We love our wives. We love our husbands. Before you know it, we find ourselves in a valley of just dryness. Relationships dry, hope dry, love dry. Everything's just dry. And God, we find ourselves in a situation and God says, can these bones live? Is there any hope for your situation? Can you drive your passion, your faith, your hope, your love, your joy, your peace, your dreams, your life? Can they experience revival? Can these things that seem so dead, can they live again? God told Ezekiel what to do if he wanted to see revival. God told Ezekiel, he said, speak the word of the Lord over those bones. He said, speak the word of the Lord. Revival takes place when God's presence is there and his word is spoken. That's what brings about revival. The word of the Lord is a seed that must be sown in order to see revival. The word of the Lord is going to be preached today. God's presence is in this place. Whether or not you feel it or not, that doesn't change anything. He says, I am always with you. If that's not true, then we ought to just throw the Bible away and just walk out. But if that's true, no matter what you feel, he's here. So if God is here and his word is being preached, then whatever's dead can come back to life because the God of revival is in the place and the word is being spoken. So today I'm going to speak the word of the Lord over you, over your situation. I don't care what you came in with that's dead, what you feel like that can't be revived. I don't care how long it's been dead for. I'm telling you right now today, revival is going to take place because the God of revival is in the room. I don't care how long your situation has been bad for. I don't care how long you've been sick for. I don't care how long your marriage has been failing for. I don't care how long your, your hope has been failing I don't care. When God shows up, it doesn't matter. God showed up to the tomb of a man that was dead for four days, a man named Lazarus. He's standing outside the tomb with a stone between them, and he said, roll that stone away. They said, oh, no, you don't understand. By now he stinks. It's been four days. It's, the situation is hopeless. The situation is done. Let it go. He says, no. He says, Roll away the stone, you see, because that situation needs to hear the word of the Lord. Because if that man who's dead in that grave, four days, ten years, a hundred years, it doesn't matter. If that man, if that situation would hear the word of the Lord, he can be revived. So roll away the stone. So before I even start preaching this morning, <laughs> before I even start preaching this morning, I'm believing that somebody here is going to experience revival in their life, in their marriage, in their situation, whatever it may be. But before I do that, I'm going to take a page out of the Lord's notebook, and I'm going to say, roll away the stone. 
I'm going to do that by praying. Whatever stone is standing between you and the word of the Lord, whether it be doubt, whether it be distraction, whatever it is that's keeping you from receiving the word this morning, in prayer, I'm going to say roll away the stone. Because when your situation and your life hears the word of the Lord, it can be revived in the name of Jesus. So let's pray. Bow your heads. Father God, Lord, we just thank you for this morning, Lord God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the resurrection and the life, Lord God. And when you show up, dead things begin to rise, Lord God. And when you show up, Lord God, things that seem to be dead live again. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of restoration, Lord God. And no matter how bad the situation may be, Lord God, you are so much greater than that situation. Lord God, right now in the spirit, Lord God, I pray and I say, roll away the stone, Lord God. Whatever standing between your word, Lord God, not my words, but your word, Lord God, that brings life. Lord God, whatever standing between your word and your people's ears and your people's hearts and your people's situation, Lord God, right now I pray that it be removed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I come against doubt. I come against distractions. I come against anything that would hinder them from receiving your word, Lord God, because revival is going to take place in people's lives today. So roll away the stone. And everybody who believes that said, amen. Amen. I'm excited about this word, y'all. Woo. Let's get into it. Our main text this morning is going to be out of 1 Samuel chapter 30. David and his army, it's a story about David. David and his army, they go to war. And on the way back, this is what happens. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1 through 8. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Najib and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been taken captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me to Ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in your rescue. Can you imagine the situation? David and his men, they go off for war. They come back, they're tired, they're exhausted. They had to walk multiple miles. On the way back, they start seeing some smoke. They don't know what's going on, but when they get there, they realize that their family their wives, their children were taken. Their house, everything burned up. They were in a place of just loss and confusion. This place was known as Ziklag, and Ziklag is a place of discouragement, a place of loss, a place of sorrow. These men are standing in ashes of of what used to be a place of joy and laughter, and now it's all gone. Their joy, their laughter, their hope, 
their strength, their faith, it's all gone. Everything is just burning up around them. David's men lost faith in him. They lost trust in him. They're talking about killing him. Can we agree that this is just a bad day? Can we agree like this is just the worst day that could ever happen? You, you're tired, you're weak, and you come and everything's just been taken from you. Your faith, your hope, your love, your joy, your life, gone. Everything just dead, gone. On top of this just being a bad day, David's talking about going on a rescue. These men don't have any strength to go on a rescue. These men don't have any hope. They don't, they don't have any confidence. They're weak. It's like your pastors, me and Pastor Cole, we stand up here and we're like, listen, our family needs us. Let's go get them. But you're at Ziklag. We're like, come on, we need to go get the souls. We need to go get the harvest. But, but you're in Ziklag. You're in a place where you're just broken and you're hurting and you don't have the strength to do what we're telling y'all. And you don't have the confidence to do what we're telling y'all. And everything's just on E. And we're like, no, we got to go, go, go. And you're like, I want to, but I'm at Ziklag. I'm at a bad place. You're at a place of loss, a place of brokenness, a place of weakness, a place of discouragement. Anybody ever been to a place like that before? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That name Ziklag means to squeeze until someone gives something up. Those places that we find ourselves in, they're of the devil. And they're meant to squeeze you until you give up. You find, your place, you find yourself in a place of discouragement and hopelessness. Those places are made to just squeeze you until you surrender. The enemy wants you to feel defeated and destroyed. And when you get in a place like that, and you know somebody's in a place like that, because the next thing they start doing is pointing fingers. See, when they found themselves in that place, what they started doing, they started, they, it's David's fault. It's David's fault we lost so much. It's, it's David's fault. See, when you come to a church and you start seeing people pointing fingers at their leader, oh, it's, it's the pastor's fault that this has happened. It's the pastor's fault. That's a clear sign that that place is in desperate need of revival. Because, see, once David got revived, David wasn't worried about pointing fingers. David was worried about going to get some souls. When the church gets revived, the church is not looking inward like Pastor Carl said. The church starts looking outward. We stop pointing fingers and pointing the blame, and we start getting up and we start pursuing. That's how you know revival has hit the house of God. Most Christians find themselves in this place, faithless, hopeless, joyless, fearful, sorrowful, full of grief, sadness, and shame. The enemy makes you feel like you dropped the ball like David. Like, David, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Like, it's your fault your marriage is failing. It's your fault your kids are wayward. It's your fault this is happening. You should have been there more. You should have done more. They start pointing the finger at you. The enemy wants you to feel like your situation is hopeless. But what the enemy didn't know is that though this was a bad day, the Bible reveals it as another day. Put up verse 1 again. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on, on the third day. 
Yeah, it was a bad day. And you may have, be having a bad year, a bad couple days, a bad week. You may be having a bad life. But when the third day shows up, the third day can transform any day into a revival day, into a recover all kind of day. The third day, see, the third day is spiritual. The third day is not an actual day. The third day represents revival. The third day represents resurrection. The third day is a spiritual day. And the third day can happen on any day. The third day is not bound to anything or anyone. The third day, which is a day of revival, can take place at any moment, at any time, at any place. Can somebody say amen? amen. The third day, the day of revival, Hosea chapter 6, verse 2. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. <laughs> That third day is not bound to your situation. That third day is not bound to any day of the week. That third day can take place any day because that third day is not a day. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And when that third day shows up and revival hits your situation, any bad day can turn into a recover all kind of day. That day with David seemed bad. But guess what? God said, no, this day might look bad, but it's the third day. And you're going to recover everything that was taken from you and more. David didn't just come back with what he lost. David came back with what he lost plus more. David got his family back plus spoils. David got plus. That's how God works. The third day can happen any day. See, Martha in the Bible, she thought the resurrection, that revival was an event that she had to wait for. John eleven twenty four through 27. We talked about Lazarus a little bit. Same story. It says, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who was to come into the world. Martha thought that revival was an event that would take place later on. Martha saw her situation and she said, yes, Lord, like, like I know there's hope for this situation, I guess, later on down the line. But just right now, there's nothing that really can take place. And, and the Lord's like, what are you talking about? I am life. You don't have to wait for life. You don't have to wait for change to come. Change is here. When God shows up, your situation can change right then and there. It doesn't have to wait to the resurrection at the last day. Your resurrection and your revival can take place right here, right now, because the third day revival is a person. It's a person. So you might see your situation the same way Martha did. You might say, yeah, my situation will change eventually. I know I can be free from this addiction if I go to such and such place and stay for X amount of days. And, and I know that maybe later on down the line, my marriage will be right. And I know later on down the line, my kids might come back. And I know it's a future. No, revival is now. Revival is now. Resurrection is now. Revival is a person. It's not a future event. It's a right now kind of event. It's a right now kind of thing. Revival could take place right here, right now. I'm telling you, today is going to be a third day for somebody. Somebody's going to grab hold of this and say, listen, it might be a Sunday. It might be a bad day, but I'm laying hold of that because today's going to be my third day. Somebody's going to lay hold of that today. Whew. 
Listen, I want everything the enemy took from me. I want everything the enemy took from me, and I'm not willing to wait. I want it now. I want it now. You need to feel the same way. You need to say, you know what? Today I'm getting my life back. I'm getting my passion back. I'm getting my hope back, my faith, my oil, my joy, my health, my freedom. Today is a recover all kind of day. Today I'm getting it all back. Devil, you should have kept me from knowing about the third day. Devil, you should have kept me from knowing about the God of revival because guess what? Everything you took from me and more, I want it today. Devil, you should have killed me a long time ago because now I know there's a God of revival and a God that brings resurrection. I don't have to wait or go to a rehab to receive it. I can get it now. Devil, you done messed up. Let me hear this message. Any day can be a third day. Let me show you what happens when a bad day encounters the third day. If you look at the disciples and some of the women that were following Jesus, all their hope, all their faith, their future, everything was tied up in him. They had left everything to follow Jesus. Their hope, their faith, their life, it was all, it was all in Jesus. Everything was in that one person. They had put everything in him. Then Thursday came. For three years, they followed this man. Everything, the embodiment of their hope, was in him. And for three years they followed him, but then a Thursday, right? The Thursday when he in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they watch as their hope and their faith gets ripped from their hands. They watch as everything that they've been putting their faith in, their love, their life, their future, is just taken from them in a moment. Then Friday came. The day when they crucified the Lord and, and John and some of the women are standing at the cross and they watch as the Lord is crucified on the cross. They watch as their faith, their hope, their life, their joy, they watch it die on a cross. Do you realize that? That they watched everything that they invested in, everything they put their life in, their hope, their strength. It's all in Jesus and they're watching it die on a cross. Friday was a bad day. Then Saturday came. Saturday, the disciples, they, they're hiding out of fear. They're full of fear. They're full of anxiety. They're full of depression. And they stood in a place just like Ziklag. They stood in a place of loss, a place of discouragement, a place of confusion, Everything is burning around them and everything was taken from them. So you may be having a Thursday experience where something you love was taken from you. It could be your confidence. It may be your joy. You may be having a Friday experience where your faith, your hope, and your life seems to be dying right before your eyes. You may be having a Saturday experience where you're overtaken by anxiety and depression and fear. But I want to tell you that third day was coming and so is yours. You may be having a Thursday kind of day, a Friday, a Saturday, but I'm telling you that third day was coming, and I'm speaking the same thing over you. So is yours. So is yours. Your third day is coming. Your revival's coming. Why? Because the word of the Lord is being preached to you. And the one who is the resurrection and the life is here. That's why your third day's coming. This situation has all the makings of a third day. So you may be having just a bad situation, but 
the worse the situation, the greater the miracle. The more glory God will get. Those bad situations are a perfect situation for God to show up and change things. Your situation is the perfect scenario for a revival. Your situation is the perfect scenario for God to just show up and change things around. That's what he does. So they're having a bad Thursday, a bad Friday, a terrible Saturday. But watch what happens on their third day. Luke 24, 13 through 21 and 30 through 33. Now that same day, this is Sunday morning, this is the third day, the day of the resurrection. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their face downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem, and do you not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Then they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. These two disciples, they're walking. They don't know about the resurrection yet. Jesus comes along, walks with them. He says, what's going on? Their faces are downcast. They, they're hopeless. These men are depressed. These men are sad. These men had a bad three days. He says, what happened? He said, they said, see, we had hoped that Jesus would be the Savior. Hoped, past tense, our hope is going. We had hoped that Jesus would be the one to save us. That might be you. You might say, you know what? I hoped that Jesus would be the one to free me. I had hoped that Jesus would be the one to heal me. I had hoped that Jesus would be the one to deliver me. My hope is dried up. My hope is gone. These men said their hearts began to burn. That means that their hearts were cold before this. That might be you. You might be walking, sad, depressed, hopeless, and your heart is cold. Your heart's cold towards your spouse. Your heart's cold towards the Lord. Your heart's cold towards the lost. Your heart's cold. But on the third day, all of that changed. See, when revival showed up and revival started walking and revival opened what? The scriptures and began to speak the word of the Lord. See, when the presence of God showed up and the word of the Lord was spoken over that situation, everything changed. All of a sudden, now these men's hope is restored. These men's joy is restored. They went from walking away from Jerusalem to running back to Jerusalem. Their whole situation changed on the third day. And so can yours. Because the same God who showed up in their bad situation, in their hopeless situation, and revived them, can do the same thing for you. 
Let's look at some of the women who were following Jesus and what happened to them on the third day. Matthew 28, 5-8. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Mary and these women, they just experienced three bad days. They're on their way to a tomb. A tomb where their hope laid, a tomb where their faith laid, a tomb where everything was dead. And when they get to this tomb, they realized that Jesus was alive. They experienced a resurrected Savior. And in a moment, they went from walking to a tomb to running from a tomb. They went walking hopeless to running with hope. Their whole situation changed on the third day when they encountered the third day. Come on. In a moment, their faith and their joy was revived. They went from walking hopeless to running with joy. See, that's how you know when revival hits a person. The same thing that happened to them is the same thing that happened to me. It's the same thing that happens to everybody when revival hits them. You go from walking to, to a tomb. You're walking towards sin. You're walking towards death. You're walking towards lifelessness and hopelessness. And you're walking to an empty way of life. And when revival hits, and when God shows up in your life, and the word is spoken over your life, you go from walking to a tomb to running from the tomb. You start running from sin. You start running away from sin. And guess what they, she did? She ran and told the world that Jesus was alive. When revival hits a person, they stop running to dead things, and they start running to the world and tell them that Jesus is alive, and so can you. That's what happened to me. I went from running walking towards sin, walking towards shame, walking towards guilt, walking towards depression, to run into a world that was dying, telling them that Jesus is alive. That's how you know revival hits. That's how you know you experience revival. If that doesn't happen, you may have to check. Maybe you didn't experience the Lord. If you're still walking towards sin, if you're still walking in depression, if you're still walking faithless, you need revival. You need revival. We need to be running to this world telling them about Jesus. And if we're not, no matter how much I preach, no matter how much I sing and dance and slap the pulpit and how many events we put on, nothing is going to do it for you because what we desperately need of is a revival. You need to be woken up. You need to be shaken up. Your pastor doesn't have enough strength to do it for you. God of revival has to show up and wake you up and say, listen, it's, you've been going towards that thing for too long. Change your direction. When David and his men at Ziklag heard the word of the Lord and experienced a third-day revival, they got up and went after their family that was being held captive. Before the revival, though, before the revival, they sat there and they cried and they moaned and they groaned. And like I said, they pointed fingers at their leaders and they did absolutely nothing while their family was being tormented, was in bondage. We need to be revived. 
We need our passion for the lost, the broken, and the addicts to be revived. We need our compassion revived, and we need our memories of what it was like living in bondage revived. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkard, nor slanderer, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, a lot of people use that scripture to condemn sinners, to say you're not going to go to heaven. That scripture ought to wake you up. Paul says, don't you know that these people are not going to go to heaven? Don't you know that these people can go to hell? Don't you know that? Don't you know that heaven and hell hangs in a balance here? Don't you know that if that person doesn't come to Jesus Christ and get saved, don't you know what's waiting for them? And the worst thing we could do is say yes, because if you know that, then what are you doing about it? Yeah, I, I know they're going to hell. And you're okay with that? You're... Listen, when somebody tells you and you clearly know that somebody you love can die at any moment and go to hell and that doesn't raise, make you want to do something, that's a clear sign that you need revival. You need God to wake you up and stir you up. No matter how much preaching I do, I can't do that for you. Don't you know that that person doesn't have eternal life waiting for them? Don't you know what eternity is? Don't you know? And then Paul says, that's what some of you were. Don't you remember what it was like living back there? Don't you remember what it was like in bondage? Don't you remember what it was like being held captive to the enemy? Don't you remember that? If you remember that, how can we sit here and be okay with our family in bondage, knowing they're going to hell? How can you be okay with that? We need a revival. You need to be revived. You need God to wake you up. The way you start taking these things seriously. We need to remember what it was like back there. I remember the story of Abraham and his nephew Lot. The Bible says that his nephew Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot and all the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were taken captive. And it says that a man that was captive with them had escaped. It says the man ran. And he runs to Abraham, and he tells Abraham, they got your nephew, they got people back there, we need to do something. And Abraham says, okay, I'm going to get 318 trained men, and we're going to go pursue them. We're going to go after them, and we're going to go set the captives free. Now, what would this man, what would it look like if this man would have got free and came and just sat down on a chair on a Sunday morning? What if that man would have just showed up to Abraham and been like, man, I'm glad that's over. Oh, those back, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess they're back there. Whatever. Put on another song of worship. Come on, let's keep going. How would that have looked if that's how the story would have went? How would it have looked if the man would have just been enjoying his newfound freedom but forgot about what it was like when he was in bondage and forgot about the people he left behind? And that's what so many Christians do. It's like we get set free and we're so excited about our freedom, but we forget what it was like in chains. Come on, don't you remember what it was like back there? Don't you remember what it was like being in bondage, being held captive? Don't you remember what it was like being spiritually blind and spiritually ignorant? Don't you remember that? 
And if you do, what are you going to do about it? Now, we need to encourage ourselves. You see, the Bible says in, in, in the story of Ziklag, David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did David encourage himself in the Lord? What did David do to encourage himself in the Lord? David started meditating and remembering all the things that God did for him. He started remembering that God delivered me from the hand of the lion, of the bear, of Goliath, of all his enemies. And David started remembering that God, if the God that saved him shows up, he can save them too. He started remembering how bad and hopeless his situation was and how God delivered him. And he realized that if God did it for me, God can do it for them. If God saved you, God can save them. If God healed you, God can heal them. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You need to encourage yourself that no matter how bad their situation looks, no matter how lost they may seem, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, and he could save the worst sinner, and you need to encourage yourself that a recovery can take place. Come on. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Your family is not too far gone. Your marriage is not too far gone. Your relationship is not too far gone. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself. Revival can take place. Whew. David couldn't sit and wait for his family to come home. David had to go. David had to go moving in power. Standing on the word of God. God says go. He said pursue them. Overtake them and recover all. That's the same word God tells us go. Go, pursue the lost. Abraham pursued the lost, David pursued the lost, and Jesus pursues us. We need to be in hot pursuit of the lost. But before we can do that, before the men at Ziklag can pursue the lost, they need to be revived themselves. And that's the word this morning. We need a revival. Stand with me. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. I want to encourage that the same God that raised Lazarus from the grave, and the Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the tomb dwells in us, dwells in this place. I want to encourage you that the same God who did it then can do it now. If there's something in your life that needs to be revived, it could be your hope, it could be your faith, it can be your love, it can be your marriage, it can be your health. Whatever it is in your life, no matter how bad the situation may be, it could be your passion for the lost, it could be your pursuit of the broken. Whatever it is that seems to be lost and gone and dying, I'm telling you right now, today is a third day. Today is a day of revival. Today is the day to get those things back. Stop allowing the enemy to hold those things captive. Stop allowing him to take those things hostage. You need to say, you know what, devil? I want everything back that you stole from me plus more. I want it back today. Today is the day I get my joy back. Today is the day I get my hope back. Today is the day I get my marriage back. Today is the day. If that's you and you need a revival in any situation.